Holy God, we ask that you continue to pour out your spirit upon us. Open our hearts and minds to your word proclaimed this day. May your spirit fill us then to be not only hearers of your word, but also doers. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The last several weeks we have been uh, hearing a variety of Jesus' teaching, uh, some of his most important teachings, uh, in what is now known as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, throughout the sermon, Jesus instructs the crowds on God's kingdom ways and values. Uh, Jesus wants you to know uh, that you are loved, and he wants to know that you are made for a wonderful and beautiful life. But you need to know, kind of as the person who created you, what your life is for, what you are to be about as a follower of Jesus, how your life can be wonderful and beautiful. And so he gives us this sermon. We've heard instruction like, blessed are the meek, the righteous, the merciful, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers. We've been reminded that, our, that we are salt and light, that God has given uh, for preservation to add some spice to life and to brightly shine uh, light into the darkness. We've been told to be reconcilers instead of litigators and to avoid insincere oaths and to let our yes be yes and our no be no. We have been commanded to love not just our neighbor, but even our enemy. We have been instructed by Jesus to give to the needy, to pray like Jesus prayed. We are not to store up treasures on earth, but in heaven, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. We are to turn our eyes to the light today and not worry about tomorrow because it is in God's hands. We are not to judge others or we will be judged. And we've been taught that we should always get the plank out of our own eye before turning to take the speck out of the eye of others. We've been asked by Jesus that if you ask, it will be given to you. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. Because God the Father is the giver of good gifts to his children. We've been warned that the gate that leads to destruction is wide, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. But oh, what a wonderful and abundant life it is. Wow. We've been kind of busy this summer, haven't we? It's a lot of stuff. And now we get to our final passage uh, that we're going to follow uh, in this sermon today, and it's on false prophets and bearing fruit. So let's get to it. In verse 15, Jesus speaks first about false prophets specifically. He says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, inwardly are ravenous wolves. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it in the message translation, Be wary of false preachers who smile a lot, dripping with practice sincerity. Chances are they're out to rip you off some way or another. Here Jesus first is making it quite clear with his warning that false prophets do actually exist. Sometimes we're very gracious, and being gracious is normally a good thing, but when some people try to lead you far astray, and the words that they are speaking sound nothing like a word that would be comfortable on Jesus' mouth, we need to recognize that that person is not a prophet of God, but is a false prophet. So the very existence of them, we first have to admit. Otherwise, we dismiss, oh, they just, yeah, 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 well, but, yeah, well, we do that stuff, don't we, all the time. Especially with people who are on TV often speaking for 
Christians everywhere, which is sad sometimes when people get on there and I'm just shaking my head going, oh, here we go again. Who puts a microphone in some front of some of these people? But um, anyway, Jesus is making it clear. We can find false prophets in numerous places in the Old Testament, and Jesus apparently regarded the bulk of the Pharisees and the Sadducees in that same way. He calls them blind leaders leading the blind. So they existed in Jesus' day and continue to the present day. But these false prophets who can be destructive also play a constructive purpose in that they challenge us to think out and define the truth of the gospel and truly then live out God's kingdom vision laid out here in the sermon on the mount. Jesus makes clear that the way we must judge whether a prophet is of God or a false prophet is to look at the fruit. This, in fact, is how Jesus declares all who claim to follow Jesus as his disciples will be judged too. The point Jesus is making here is also simple. In verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. The word for know or recognize means an exact or full knowledge of something. So one's fruits provide an exact, true knowledge of what one really is. So we can evaluate a prophet or a teacher or, or anyone else by using the same test we would apply to a tree because a tree is known by its fruit. For example, if you go out in the fall and you pick an apple from a tree and you take a bite of it and it's delicious, you know that that tree is what? An apple tree. Exactly. Now, even if somebody with you says, that is not an apple tree. Even if there's somebody in power and authority and they say, that apple tree is not an apple tree, you know it is still an apple tree. Only a fool would label it a cherry tree after tasting the delicious apple. Even if there was an official looking sign from the DNR or somebody or Fish and Wildlife or somebody there that said, this is a cherry tree, we would not believe that it is a cherry tree because we have seen its fruit. In the same way, the prophets' lives, their fruits, demonstrate who they really are. We know some prophets are false because their lives do not match up to Jesus' words and example. Their lives do not shine forth the light of life that Jesus' teaching make clear are the character of good fruit. Now, I'm, so, I'm sure some of you are like me and you're already thinking, yeah, but some people are really good at hiding the type of fruit that they are bearing. And in this day where truth is constantly under attack, attack I think Jesus' words here can reassure us. He says in verse 18, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. A false prophet cannot bear good fruit, fruit that will last. They may appear to bear fruit temporarily, but in the end, when we examine deeper, God will make clear the content of their character by the fruit that they produce. We can look for signs of good fruit by observing uh, lives, their lives. Uh, are they bearing uh, 
the kingdom fruit of love and forgiveness, reconciliation, justice, peace, and mercy. And we can witness if their ways are shining forth light or are they contributing to the darkness? Or are they life-giving or are they death-dealing? And Jesus continues that no matter what people claim and how good they may be at hiding who they really are, false prophets are not fooling God. Those whose lives do not conform to Jesus' teaching, no matter what they claim about themselves, they are imposters. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. The real test of any disciple of Jesus is, does their teaching and life strengthen people to bear the burdens of life and to walk in the kingdom way that they ought to go. Today in our modern church, we are facing a bit of an identity crisis or in a crisis of credibility. In many places, we have lost our reputation in the world because in many ways, the fruit that is being born from the church bears little difference from the fruit of unbelievers. So therefore, if Jesus does not matter, then why would we follow Jesus? Because as he has stated in previous teachings, that way, that gate is narrow, that path is narrow and difficult. He's told us to pick up our cross and follow him. That's not an easy road for us to walk. And I think this reveals this fact that people don't see a difference between the fruit we bear and unbelievers bear is exactly the reality of what Jesus is preaching about today. Not all who claim to be Christian leaders are true followers of Christ. Their fruit shows them to be wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, we are not talking about errors here. You know, people make mistakes and seek forgiveness. But false prophets, they instead, they intend Excuse me, they intend, not instead, they intend to deceive and mislead, and they don't have remorse. And while we are able to discern this fact, the society in which we live does not make this distinction. That's why it's so important to Jesus, because untruth directly affects the church's witness in the world. The world sees people who call themselves Christian, and they assume that's what they are. Inside the house, we may recognize there are people who are not very good Christians. You may have met a few of those people in your life. Some of you may only be here because somebody drug you here, and the reason you haven't been here on your own was because some of those miserable Christians have excluded you and made you feel you were not welcome here or somewhere else. And I say miserable Christians because they usually are pretty identifiable because they go around moping around looking all all the time. Follow a risen savior of the world, you know, and that's our face looks like, you know, come on. That's why they're miserable. They look miserable. I don't know where I'm at. But people do. They assume that we Christians are speaking for Christ. 
Jesus anticipated false teachers. And he said they will bear many resemblances to genuine ones. Verses 22 to 23, Jesus says, On the day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? And Jesus says, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. False prophets claim sincerity and their message will often seem simple. But Jesus says, weeds will grow among the wheat and sometimes it is difficult to distinguish them. And that's why we must bear fruit. As James 2.17 says, faith without works is dead. But we do not do this alone. You know, this, this sermon is full of things that we're very tempted to say, oh, that's all nice, Jesus. Thank you. We love those. That, that sounds wonderful. And then we, it doesn't affect us in any way. But the Holy Spirit, Christ's very Spirit, is always working in us, encouraging, equipping, empowering, and pulling us along. We can't do it alone. We can't. But this is what we are created for. As Philippians 4.13 reminds us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not on your own. Because Christ is alive in you. And while no one is saved by works, but by grace, through the power of Jesus Christ, everyone is judged by works because works are an inevitable byproduct of a life of one who surrenders to, trusts in, and follows Jesus. People ought to be able to tell you follow Jesus. This is how you can tell the true disciple from the false, by their fruit born about out of obedience to Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Savior of the world. We cannot save ourselves, but we can trust in the one who can save us. The kingdom ways of Christ, they are not easy. Somebody once said, that if you want to follow Christ, you better look good in wood. You know that cross that he got hung on? It was made of wood. Here in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but shall have eternal life. It's probably the most, one of the most well-known passages. Psalm 23 might put up a fight. But we sometimes get confused by this passage. We think that this is only about life in the future, that eternal is something up in the by and by. But eternal life begins here and now and carries on into eternity. God's counting 
kingdom fruit. And Jesus loves you. Here and now we are called to bear fruit. Trusting Christ will walk with us. And knowing that by doing so, we will join with Christ's transformational work in the world and truly experience freedom, peace, and unending joy. What makes fruit-bearing possible is faith in Jesus Christ. It's never too early, and luckily it's never too late. To follow Jesus. Making a commitment does not mean that you are a finished product. It doesn't mean your life is sometimes perfect. Or even any time perfect. It doesn't mean that you know everything that there is to know about the Bible. Or even that you fully grasp what it means to really follow Jesus. It just means that you trust in his love and his grace. And you want to grow closer to him. 